Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras episode number 46, the one you have been waiting for, the Ghost Train 100 recap. Now, think back to the very beginning of this podcast. Basically, the whole reason this thing exists is because I set this big, scary goal for myself to run this race in particular under 24 hours. So we've come full circle and now it's time to tell the tale (laughs) all about the Ghost Train 100. So I think the best way to go about telling the story is to kind of run through it chronologically. And I think that's because, you know, doing 100 milers is different from 50Ks or even 50 milers because there's just so much that goes into it from a planning perspective. And actually, maybe like a week before um, this race, I, I hopped onto Instagram. I didn't save it, which I really should have now in retrospect, but I did a live stream where I talked about the breakdown of my lists and all of the planning and the things that I, you know, want to take with me. So I think what I'm going to end up doing in the future is maybe another Instagram live where, you know, you guys can come on and I'll share my lists and kind of talk through that stuff because I just checked right before I hit record. And for whatever reason, it didn't save to my feed. So my apologies. But if you guys have questions uh, after you listen to this episode, I'm going to compile them and then we'll do a live stream and we can answer and you can hop on live and ask questions and do the, the whole thing. All right. Sound good? So let's just kind of run through this chronologically and I'm kind of really excited about this one because I have a surprise for you here. (laughs) Uh, I came up with this harebrained idea, uh, I think like the night before the race and I'm excited that it worked and I'm excited that you're going to get to hear it because it's super fun, but let's kind of run through this. So race is on Saturday. You get to come on Friday and set up your camp if you are you know, close enough and you want to do that. So that's what I did. Went over on Friday, brought the truck with the rooftop tent and packed to the gills with all my stuff and set up my own little base camp. And the nice part was my friends got to set up around me. So we had our own little compound. So Frank was on one side, Steve was on the other. And yeah, we were, we had our own little set up and it was great because all of my friends were in the same spot. So it was very convenient. Um, I guess uh, to just kind of give you an idea of what I brought, you can actually go and look in the Instagram highlights on my page because I tried to document a lot of the whole weekend. So you can kind of get glimpses of the setup and what we brought, but just from a basic, you know, if if you're thinking about doing a hundred miles, here's kind of what we did. We had a, our own base camp set up. So for us, we use the rooftop tent with the annex tent that comes off of it. And that was like our shelter. So we had a nice big table. We had cooking supplies, extra water. We actually also have a propane heater, which is a lesson that we learned from a couple years ago. Um, so if you're going to be doing a race and you have the ability to have your own little base camp set up, I would highly recommend getting your hands on. It's just a propane tank with an external attachment on the top that pumps out a ton of heat. It's well worth the money and the storage and the carrying because it's definitely needed if it's super, um, if it's super cold. Tons of food, all of my gear, chairs, you know, the whole nine yards, um, I mean, it's, you got to think about it like 
it's a it's your own aid station so you get to choose what you want to put in it um, and I pack it full of everything that I think I could possibly need it's always more than I need but I would rather have it than not have it that's kind of my it's always been my event mentality and I pour that into my long distance races so set up the night before slept there got up at my normal time like I think it's like 5.15, 5.30. And the race doesn't start until 9 a.m., which gives you a ton of time, which at first, the first year I did it, it kind of threw me because, you know, I'm used to doing races much earlier, but this is helpful because you get ample time to set yourself up, pack your stuff, do your drop bag, you know, go through your whole routine and feel primed and ready to go. Definitely did a shakedown beforehand in the tent. Um... And was was definitely warm by the time the gun went off at 9 a.m. So Saturday morning comes, all packed up. We get to the starting line and it's warm. Like it is scheduled to be in the high 60s, low 70s, which for New Hampshire in October is not unheard of, but it I was more worried about it being super cold. So I had brought a ton of cold clothes and I had enough um, warm clothes to make sure that I wouldn't overheat, but that definitely wasn't how I thought it was going to go. So it was kind of interesting. Um, As far as a race day strategy goes, the plan was to just keep a really consistent pace, run as much as possible in the daylight, knowing that it was going to rain overnight. So this was the thing, you know, you look at the weather a week out, two weeks out, and you start to get an inkling of what it's going to be like. I honestly try not to look at the weather because it's going to change so many times. I try not to get worked up over it. And as we got closer, I kept looking at the weather and seeing rain. So I knew I had to pack rain stuff that we had to be prepared for rain and cold. And so that was all there. So the plan was to get as many miles in during the daylight and the, um, the sunshine, the not rain, (laughs) knowing full well that overnight it was going to get dark, obviously the temperature was going to drop and it would, it had the potential to rain. Um, some additional kind of race strategy pieces, especially since it was warm, staying well hydrated and well fed throughout the race was a big priority for me. Managing aches and pains and feet in particular is also really a priority. And then, you know, part of my strategy is to slow down a little bit overnight because of, I have really, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say I have poor night vision, but I don't have great night vision. And so because of that, I plan to slow down a little bit so that I don't trip as much. Luckily, actually, this year I didn't trip at all at night. Uh, the last time I did it, I actually hooked my toe on who knows what and did a flying Superman and luckily caught myself before my face planted into the ground. So I really did not want to replicate that this year. So slowing down overnight because of low visibility and deploying coffee when I needed the boost of caffeine. Maybe you guys have heard this story. Maybe you haven't. I can't remember. But probably about three years ago, I went off 
caffeine cold turkey because I got this horrible stomach bug and couldn't keep anything down. So I've been basically caffeine free for the last couple of years, which has been really awesome because in strategic situations like this race, I can deploy caffeine and it actually has an effect on me versus, you know, when I was drinking coffee every day, caffeinated coffee, it really didn't do anything for me anymore. Like I had built up a tolerance or a threshold to it, so it wasn't doing anything. So being able to use caffeine strategically was a big help. And the last little part of my race strategy was to just kind of stay consistent during the next day. So as day two rolls around and you start to get, you know, tired and fatigued, you've been up all night, even though you've had coffee, there's the opportunity for you to kind of just fall off. Like your pace falls off, your energy wanes. I mean, it's totally normal, but my strategy was let's just see how consistent we can stay during the next day, right? So let's talk about the course for anybody who's not familiar with this race. It is so flat. (laughs) It's an out and back course, seven and a half miles. So 15 miles round trip. And I actually think this is a good one for first timers because of this setup. It's really easy to crew and to pace. There's three aid stations, the beginning, the middle, and the turnaround point. So basically every lap you're getting five opportunities to stop and get stuff basically every three to four miles. So that's, that's really good. It's flat, which is good, but it's also deceivingly hard because there's not a lot of variation in the terrain and you don't really get to switch up the muscles. There is one hill sort of closer to the turnaround, but it's not really a hill. It's kind of just like a speed bump, but it does provide some variety, which is nice. Um, And this is a themed race, so it's Ghost Train. And so the race director and the crew do an amazing job of decorating the course and making it interesting. There's lights and skeletons and, you know, all sorts of fun stuff that appears overnight, which is, I think the nighttime laps are actually the most fun for a variety of reasons, least of which is the decorations, right? I mean, most of which, I don't know, either or. The decorations make the nighttime lapse. <laughs> so much fun. Um, so I got this idea to record some voice memos on my phone to document the race in real time. And so I'm going to insert those into this episode. And so in it, you'll hear me and my friend Frank um, that we basically ran the whole race together. That wasn't our original plan, but it worked out to be that way. Um, you'll hear us talking on these voice memos. And the plan was to do them every lap because you'd have kind of a snapshot of what was going on. So, you know, our plan was to run our own races, but it basically just synced up that we ended up together 99% of the race. And there were certainly times that, you know, we, I told him go on without me. He told me go on without him, but eventually we, you know, we just kind of ended up back in the same pace. So that was really nice because neither of us had pacers. And so we just ended up being each other's pacers. 
Um, saw a lot of friends out there. I mentioned Steve, who was set up next to us. Um, saw David and Sheila, who are volunteering. My friends Tara and Alex at the turnaround aid station. I mean, literally, it was like every lap we, I was seeing so many friends. I saw my friend Kent and Christine and Yuki and Mindy and Kendra and I'm sure, and Kylie, I'm sure that I'm forgetting someone. So I apologize, but that's one of the nice parts about this race is that you get to see people fairly consistently, not only kind of in camp and at the aid stations, but back and forth on the laps. So the thing about running long distance races like this is time is fluid. (laughs) There's a lot that happens and you can't always remember was that lap number one or was that during lap number two. And so this is how I came up with this idea of doing these voice memos to kind of document the process along the way. And plus, I think it's just more interesting to listen to it in real time than you know, sitting here now, me trying to recall what was going on. So let's dive into the first voice memo that we took, and it was after our first lap. So by the time we started recording this one, we were already 15, probably 16 or 17 miles in because I actually had some technical difficulties with my phone trying to get it to record the voice memo, and I was really pissed right before I hit record on this because I thought my entire plan for this podcast is just going up in smoke. And so I was obviously thrilled when I figured out the technical issue and was able to start recording these voice memos. So let's listen to the first one. There we go. Now it's working. You want to do it now or do you want to wait until we get to the aid station? Okay. I had this bright idea to do these voice memos after every lap because I think it would be fun to document this process and then add it to the podcast later. So, one lap down, what did we do it in, Frank? Two hours and just under three hours. And that was a little fast, we decided. (laughs) Despite our best efforts, we went out a little too fast. So we're on lap number two. It took me a minute to get this voice memo working. So we're on lap number two. And we decided to kind of document this. All right, so Frank, give me some thoughts on lap number one. Uh, It is warmer than we expected, warmer for October. So the heat's a little bit of an issue. Uh, Like you said, we went out too fast, but uh, we're feeling good. And it's nice to get the extra miles since it's going to rain tonight. Mm -hmm. So getting a little bit ahead, banking some time without blowing up. Are you enjoying yourself thus far? Uh, Define enjoying, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're only 50 miles in, so it should get interesting later. But yeah, this is good. good. All right. Trying to think if I have anything else to add to this. Steve is out here. We're about to run into him somewhere out here. Yeah, overall, legs are feeling pretty good. I'm going to slow it down a little bit this time. And like Frank said, try to bank some miles before the nighttime comes when it's going to maybe rain. Hopefully not. I think I just heard somebody walk by with their phone on looking at their weather app. Uh, So I don't think we're going to get a lot, but enough. And I think it's going to stay warm. 
and you just wait like the next two notes from now it's gonna be like this is crazy yeah. <laughs> it's freezing cold it's pouring rain but see here's the thing i have a little bit of contextual rain that i can throw in here so as long as it's not bfc rain then i think we're good if it's bfc rain then that might be a little tough to handle but we can do it all right first voice note in the books it's funny because i specifically did not listen to these um until this point i mean i played them back to myself in real time because I just wanted to be sure that we captured the audio, but I specifically haven't listened to them until right now when I'm recording the podcast because I wanted to like relive it with you guys. So I love how happy and enthusiastic we are and we're having so much fun. I love the predictions, maybe even like how naive I am about how the rest of the day is going to go. But, um, in terms of like the weather and the rain, I don't want to spoil it because the next notes are equally as interesting, I'm sure. Again, I haven't listened to them again, but I think it's fun to hear kind of how we were doing in the moment. So that was after lap number one. So we were already 15 miles in. Like I said, it took me a little bit to get that voice memo function working. So we were headed towards the Midway aid station. And again, as I recall, things were really good. Like it was warm, but it wasn't too warm. We definitely went out a little too fast and we needed to kind of slow it down a little bit. But at the same time, kind of playing this game of uh, needing to be well paced because we wanted to get as many laps and as many miles in during the daytime as we could before, you know, the night hits you get that tunnel vision and then the rain was supposed to set in. So it's kind of this delicate balance between how much, how fast you can go, how hard you can push. But also at the same time, you heard Frank say like, not blow ourselves up. So that was kind of like the balance from miles, you know, one through about 30. So let's listen to the second note that I was able to capture. All right, here we go. Lap number three. Three. <laughs> you can't start that early, Frank. We are on lap number three. We, we just started. Frank's trying to send us back a lap. All right. Give us the... What's the download, Frank? How are you feeling? What's going on? Uh, fresh change of socks helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, sitting down for a couple minutes definitely helps. Uh, what's been your favorite thing so far? My favorite thing so far has been... The scenery, the ghost uh, skeletons. Mm, yes. All over the place. <laughs> Lots of good decorations. If you guys like a good themed race, this is a good one. There's lots of good scenery and lots of good decorations. Lots of people running in full costumes. So it's like almost 4 p.m., 3.45. Uh, still lots of light. Still no rain. Knock on wood. But we have our light rain jackets and some lights just in case we should be out here when the darkness hits but I think we'll be able to come all the way back full circle for another lap before the darkness really hits and then we will be in for some nighttime laps which are always really fun and that's when some more of this decorations will come into play and I'll try to take some pictures 
and then the voice memos will get even more interesting. <laughs> All right. So what strikes me about this one is the big jump in time, right? Because towards the end there, I say it's like 345, close to four. Um, and, you know, we started at nine. So it took us about three hours to do the first lap, three plus hours to do the second lap. And so it's 345. We're starting our third lap. And around here, sunset is like 630. Last light is somewhere between... 6.30 and 6.45 or 7. So it's funny to listen to this because I know what comes next. <laughs> I know that we're going to get to a point out on the course and it's going to get dark and the rain is going to hit <laughs> and we totally weren't expecting it. So yeah, so it's funny for me to sit here and listen to this knowing that, yeah, we had our light rain jackets and our lights and we kind of got bombarded. So um, let's listen to the next one. All right, here we go. This is officially lap number four. Headed out. What time is it, Frank? Seven? Um, 7.41. 7.41. We are 45 miles in. We have changed clothes. We have applied lubrication. <laughs> we have retaped. What else have we done? We have eaten uh, some food, not copious amounts of food. Um, what else? We have dealt with some mental issues. Yeah, we have dealt with mental issues. We have seen some cool lights and cool ice candles. Um, what else? What else have we done? As I put the, as I put it in front of Frank's face as he's eating food. We've run a long way. We have run a long way. And now it's, things are going well. And now it is pitch black and we're going to run some more. So I was thinking about this actually, as we were running in, we ran about nine hours in the sunlight and now we're going to run 12 hours in the darkness. Literally, because it got dark at 6.30-ish, right? Yeah. And then it's not going to get light again until 6.30. We've already identified things that we're going to freak out over later, like tree stumps that look like bears and swinging tires in some... That look like yeah, in somebody's backyard. Um, it's clear. It's not raining, which is a huge plus right now. Yeah. found snakes. We did? Oh, yeah, you almost stepped on one. Yep. Frank's taking all of them for the team tonight. Pushing all these things out of the way. And, yeah, it's going good. I think that's all the news that's fit to report right now. You want to add anything? Uh, no, we're doing good. I think this is going surprisingly, at the moment, surprisingly well. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have, like, the normal aches and pains, right? My, oh. my feet are good. How are your feet? Um, I have a toe issue, but... It would help if I put this in yeah, front of you. I have a toe issue, but um, <laughs> it's being dealt with, and there's really not a whole lot I can do about it. So, we keep going. And there you have it, folks. All right. Hopefully this little idea I have to inject this into the podcast works, but... <laughs> we may be incoherent. <laughs> this may get a little dicey here in a little bit, but who knows? We're going to give it a shot. All right, here we go. Lap four. When we finish this lap, we will have done six... Oops, sorry. I just poked Frank oh, with a... Oh. <laughs> I just whacked you with my stick. Uh, 
not my stick, my poles. Here we go. We will have done 60 miles by the time we get back. So, uh, here we go into the darkness. Okay. So this is a prime example of how fluid time is. The last recording, I couldn't remember if the rain hit on lap three or lap four. So this is actually the time when the rain hits. We went out at seven. It was actually quite nice. It was fairly warm. We had our headlamps. We had um, our light rain jackets. And, you know, as you can hear, we sound, we're getting a little punchy, but we're still in good spirits. I remember feeling like really good. We just got out of camp, obviously, and had some, had some food, got a chance to sit down. Every time I went back to camp, I really tried to do a little mini shakedown and get my legs up above my head. So whether that was putting them on a chair or resting them on the ladder to our tent, um, that was like a big priority for me. So it's funny that it's not funny. It's, it's interesting that we chose to do these notes at the beginning of every lap (laughs) versus at the end, because definitely if we had done it in the opposite, the tone would be very different because every time that we came back into camp at the end of a lap, it was, we were definitely low, low energy, low mentally, feeling low physically. And then it's amazing how spending a few minutes in camp, getting food, getting changed, getting, you know, your feet taken care of, seeing people that love you and care about you can really help to boost your spirits. So I think at one point here, I do a voice memo kind of on the way back into camp. And that I think will demonstrate um, a little bit of a different tone. So the next one we will be, we will have done 60 miles and then we will be heading out for 75. So let's listen in to the next one. Okay, so... This is the return trip of lap, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. So when we get back to camp, we will have done 75 miles. And I'm not gonna lie, this one hurts. (laughs) I'm tired, I'm sore. I'm exhausted. I don't know what else to say about it. We're on the home stretch now, which is good. I've got to swap out some clothes, get some food, put my feet up, my legs up for a little bit. It has been a very long night. We didn't get to do an outbound voice memo because the rain nice job and so yeah I don't know Frank do you want to add anything to this same same (laughs) it's all yeah No other. That's it. (laughs) Singular focus right now. One foot in front of the other. Get to camp. 
spend a little bit of time there, get fixed up, and then go back out. Okay, so obviously this is a very different kind of voice memo. So this totally illustrates what I was just talking about, our outbound voice memos versus inbound ones where we're coming back to camp after having spent, you know, three, four hours out that time we didn't get to do an out, uh, outbound message because the rain was just crazy. Um, you know, the rain hit us initially when we were on the little mountain, the little speed bump that, you know, we, we talked about in terms of the course profile, most of this thing is super flat until you get towards the turnaround point And then there's this little hill and we got up and basically over the hill. And all of a sudden the sky just opened up and started pouring, 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 pouring. Um, and you know, I, I actually didn't have the right layer. I had this windbreaker more than a raincoat because I thought based on what I was seeing in terms of the weather, that it was mostly just going to be this sprinkle and that I'd have ample time to come back and get my full rain gear for the next lap when the rain was supposed to show up. Um, if you want to see a visual of what that rain was like when it hit us, go to my Instagram into my highlight stories for Ghost Train. And I think it's like almost at the very end of the stories, Adam, my husband, who was back at base camp, captured a video basically in the dark of our of our tent and the lights just going crazy with the wind and you can hear the rain, how intense it is. And so that was what hit us when we were out um, on the course. So the nice part was it wasn't really cold. The, the temperature was still fairly warm. So as long as we were moving, running, jogging, fast-paced walking, I was totally fine in terms of temperature. We get all the way back to camp, get some different layers on, and actually that's when the temperature started to drop as we were going back out for our next lap. So let's listen in to the next one. Okay, this is the start of our final full out and back lap. It is 6.05 a.m. We have had a change of clothes. We've had some food. I ate gnocchi with tomato sauce at 6 a.m., if anyone cares. And then I just downed a cup of coffee, so there's that. Uh, I may also have to lose the baby toe on my left foot due to an oversized blister, but other than that, it's all good. All right, Frank, how are you? Give us the lowdown. Uh, sore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm finally awake again, mm-hmm. thanks to some coffee. Perfect. And some ramen. Ooh. Yeah, I had ramen at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and working out some kinks and... Just excited a, about t- excited about doing a marathon. Yeah, we got just a marathon left. No problem. No problem. So, yeah. So I've got so. I, okay. First of all, let's talk about this. I don't understand all these people that are roaming around right now in shorts and a tank top. Now I get Frank's wearing shorts, but like layers on top and a hat and gloves. There are people rocking tank tops and shorts right now. I have full long 
pearl izumi tights on. I have a long sleeve tech tee on. I have a semi insulated Nike jacket on. My vest on over that and <laughs> two hats because my hair is wet from basically all the night rain. And I've got an oversized hand warmer stuffed down my sports bra to keep me warm. And I have fleece mittens on. So, I mean, and those people that are wearing so few layers, it's, they're not like running fast either. They're trucking, but they're not, I don't know. It just, how are you guys not cold? Please, somebody tell me. I just, I don't understand. Um, what else? What else have we seen, Frank? What other stuff have we seen? I don't know how we talked about. Uh, we've already gone through the jokes. Uh, I don't know. Did we, t- did we tell? No, I don't think we told these guys. We were telling each other jokes. Frank. Oh, wait. Frank has, still has one more joke left. Yeah, I'm holding out. Holding out for maybe the last 10 miles. I couldn't do it last lap because I was well, walking, walking, sleeping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were definitely sleeping. We were definitely sleeping. Uh, I put a request out on Instagram in my stories and got some funny jokes. Andy, thank you for being the first to send some jokes. Thank you to SNN Birch as well for sending their joke. Um, what else? I, we've seen no wildlife, which is kind of nice. Um, and I actually, did you have any hallucinations? Uh, no, I wasn't awake. Yeah, he said no, he wasn't awake. And I'm, yeah, I, uh, I did not have any hallucinations. Those last seven and a half miles were pretty rough though. I'm not going to lie. I was sleepy and that's why I recorded the previous voice note. (laughs) So we would have documentation of it. So I think that's all I got right now. So we're just going to go do a marathon and you know, just a cash marathon after 75 miles. It's all good. And then, uh, I personally am probably going to go home and eat an entire pizza and an entire pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, which is my usual post um, ultra race meal, which you didn't ask about, but I'm going to tell you because that's what I do. <laughs> and they'll probably be in bed. Uh, no, I won't eat them oh. in bed. What are you going to eat afterwards? Uh, I'm thinking of a, I, I'm with you on the pizza. Mm-hmm. I don't think Ben and Jerry's is going to settle, but we'll see. You'd be surprised. (laughs) And I know wherever I park myself, I will not move for a while. Yeah. No, that's true. I am probably going to take a shower. Yes. Get changed. Put all of my warmest, fuzziest, softest clothes on. And then park myself on the couch. And watch some whatever TV is on the DVR. And eat a pizza and some ice cream. And then maybe fall asleep. Maybe not. Excuse me. That was really rude. I'm sorry, but that's like part of the deal here. Um, Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I want to sleep all night long. That's my thing. I might nap. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? That's, you know. All right. We're rambling. We're rambling now. Now this is just getting completely out of control. But, um, nice job, job, you guys. 
Uh, but yeah, this is out of control, but I feel like there might be some more voice notes in our future, not only on our last little lap here, but as we start to get into the daily, I think I'm most, not to like prolong this, but I'm most excited about the daylight. We ran, I think I said this in a previous note, nine hours during the day and then a solid 12 hours at night in the rain, in the dark, and that's hard. So I'm most excited about the daylight. So, all right, now I'm really stopping. Chat soon. So this is one of my favorite notes of all of the ones that we've done because there's so many things happening here. So first of all, it's six in the morning. The next day, we've just been running all night long. We are we have just completed 75 miles. So on this lap, we are headed out and back for 90 miles. So when we come back from this lap, we will have done 90 miles. And then we have to do another short out and back uh, five mile trip for our last 10 miles. So you can hear that we're like kind of excited and it's true. You know, we spent nine hours in the daylight, then we ran basically for 12 hours in the dark, which it's hard to describe if you've, you know, if you've done a couple nighttime runs for a few hours, it's kind of no big deal. And I think it's fun to run in the dark. The trouble comes when it's all night long. (laughs) It's all night. You're going 12 hours. You have rain. Um, you're super tired. So, you know, we probably should have documented coming back from the last lap, um, you know, a little bit better. Although I think that the previous note really did kind of show what it was like to come back after that that dark nighttime lap. Um, it's just hard. You get tunnel vision you know, you, everything is slippery, everything slows down a little bit. So you can obviously hear that once we spent some time in camp, got ourselves squared away with some food, definitely a change of clothes. Um, one of the things that I didn't really talk about in the previous note was how cold I got. So when we went back out for our overnight laps, I had, I had gotten, I was getting a little cold. Um, and, I really had to like make a concerted effort to stay moving with all my rain gear on and I actually bought, Oh, this is a hot tip. You guys, I don't know what they're called, but my hands always get super cold. And I went out the day before on a mission to find these gloves. So I went to this place called tractor supply. You know, it's like a farm kind of agricultural store that's, you know, local to us here. I'm sure you guys probably have something similar. And I bought these gloves. I don't remember what brand they are, but they're thinsulate, like warm on the inside, but then they are fully coated in rubber. So they're basically waterproof. Best 10 bucks I ever spent, you guys. By far best thing I could have had. They kept my hands super warm. Um, and that was like a game changer for me to stay comfortable during the overnight laps because my hands always get super cold. So it was a little bit of a risk cause I had never used them before, but I knew that that waterproofing was going to really, really help. So yeah, this is kind of a fun note to listen to because I'm excited about the daylight. And that's the one thing you can always count on in an overnight race like this is, you know, you spend so much time in the dark, you do get, I mean, we were kind of hopped up on caffeine in that note too, which is kind of funny. You can hear it, like you can definitely hear it, or I can hear it in my voice anyway, but you do get a boost of energy when the daylight starts to come around because 
it just creates that change. It's almost like you're doing something new or something else. And it just takes that other element away. Like you no longer have to carry your lights. You don't have to worry about, you know, tripping in the dark. It's just so much easier to run in the daytime. So we are out for a casual marathon, (laughs) as you hear me say in there. And it's interesting to think about you know, we kept kind of playing this game with ourselves about how far we had gone. We don't really talk about how far we have to go until we get to this point where we're on, you know, we talked about it, Frank and I, between ourselves as a mountain, right? Where the first half we're climbing to the top of the mountain and then the second half we're descending down the backside, but we don't ever really between us talk about how far we've gone or how far we have to go until we get to this point because we're on the downward slope and we only have a marathon to go, technically 25 miles, but that's, these are kind of like some of the games that you play with yourself when you're kind of running this distance and not allowing yourself to focus on how much work you still have to do, but rather kind of congratulating yourself for all of the work that you have already done. And I mean, this is just something that I have developed over the years that I think has really helped me. Um, Because if you really focus on how far it still is to go, I mean, we're joking about doing a a marathon here and it's, it's far for sure but we've already got 75 miles in the bank. So we can kind of joke about it. Like, yeah, it's only a casual marathon. And that really kind of helped to keep our spirits up and keep us going. So, um, you know, this is where the laps really start to slow for us, but we kept a pretty decent cadence, like a really good power walk for these last, basically we kind of power walked a marathon because at that point that was the most sustainable thing that we could manage. And I'm pretty proud of us because we had a really good consistent pace for this. So let's listen to the next one. This is the, um, this will be like our last little mini lap out for 10 miles to finish out 100. Okay, you guys. We are officially out on our last lap, the mini lap, where we do five miles out and five miles back. So we have officially gone 90 miles. Although if you were to read off of my Garmin, my Garmin would tell you we've only gone 82 miles. So I'm calling bullshit on that. Anyway. um, All right, Frank, how are you feeling? We're 90 miles into this. What's going on? Uh... Dealing with some, all the things, oh, (laughs) I, uh, left, uh, left knees acting up, my left quad, well, both my quads, my left, uh, hip flexor are all fighting me, Mm -hmm. but we only got 10 miles and I can do this for 10 miles. Yes. See, that's the attitude. That's what I'm talking about, people. All right. Me? My feet are sore. I might have to lose my little baby toe on the left side. But other than that, that, I'm kidding. I'm not going to have to take it off. But it does hurt like a son of a gun. And yeah, I mean, this is where where it gets real. We run out of words. And at this point... And jokes, we're out of jokes. Uh, we're now taking bets on 
the number of times I'm going to pee in the next 10 miles. Uh, I know it's TMI, but these are the things that happen in ultras that, you know, you got to keep yourself entertained. You have to keep yourself well hydrated and well fed. And if that means you have to play games <laughs> to make sure that you're going you're gonna to do all those things, then uh, that's what we do. So last 10 miles, always the hardest miles. And we got lots of time. We are well ahead of the time cutoff. So now all we got to do is uh, just keep moving. One foot in front of the other. Nice consistent pace. And, uh, and we'll be done. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some thoughts as, the, uh, as we turn around and get on the home stretch. So we'll check back in then. I love this note because you can tell we're running on pure grit at this point. (laughs) You know, at this point, Frank was battling some physical stuff. I really thought that my toe was just going to have to get cut right off. Turns out um, at the end of the race, I didn't really look at it until I got home, but I had a huge blister, probably the size of a a big peanut M&M bulging off the outside of my baby toes. So uh, I will not make the same taping mistake that I made this last time. But so this this final note, we actually didn't take any more notes because we were just so focused on trying to bang out these last 10 miles. And yeah, it's just crazy. My Garmin, you know, I use the trail running setting on my Garmin and put the ultra track function on. So if you're familiar with Garmin, this is This is the setting that they tell you to use if you're going to want the extended battery life. Um, But the kicker is that it doesn't necessarily track miles like accurately. So we were well past the 90 mile point when we took this note and, you know, to look at my watch, it said that we'd only done 82. And I think by the time I finished, my Garmin said, 94 miles and not a hundred. So, you know, at one point I, I seriously considered just even turning it off because it wasn't giving me accurate mileage and it wasn't giving me accurate pacing, which was kind of the reason why I was wearing and using it because I wanted to kind of keep up to date with my pace, but it wasn't really doing anything for me. So we did this largely based on feel like Frank was running his watch that wasn't on the same settings. So we kind of ran off of his watch pacing for a little bit, but a lot of what we did was just by feel. And I, you guys know, that's kind of how I prefer to run. So I don't really care. It doesn't make a difference to me that my Garmin doesn't, doesn't have a one zero zero on it. Like I know that I did those miles. Um, I know that I earned that railroad spike. I know that we finished, so it doesn't doesn't really make a difference to me. But yeah, you can kind of hear how it's all setting in. Um, it's funny, I talk a little bit about the bet that we were making in terms of how much I was going to pee. And, you know, I had spent all day trying to stay ahead of my hydration. And then it was like everything caught up to me, everything that I had eaten and drank that was like in liquid form. So overnight I had some ramen, I had some other fluids. I drank a lot of ginger ale to really settle my stomach. And it basically all caught up with me in those last 25 miles. So, um, 
I won the bet. I peed three times on that one out and back trip. So (laughs) I know it's too much information, but true to form, that is really what you have to start doing when you are in those late stages. Anything to keep your brain occupied, to keep you entertained, because at that point, you're probably experiencing some discomfort, maybe even severe discomfort, but you're really just focused on that one thing, which is finishing the race and just you know, getting it done with. So whatever you have to do. So we made it to that turnaround point and it's tradition, at least for me. And I think for a lot of the other runners that do this race is the turnaround point is a sign on the course just past the midway aid station where you literally go past the aid station, go to the sign, turn around and come back. There's nobody there monitoring you. It's all on the honor system, which I love. And so in accordance kind of with the honor system, I document our time there at the turnaround point. So Frank and I chose poses. Um, Mine was down on the ground. His was not. (laughs) We joked about that. Um, Took some pictures, documented our turnaround, and then just kind of hightailed it as fast as we could all the way back. And that's really kind of when you're running on endorphins too, because you're closing in, right? We talked about in my last little note, how you kind of play those games with yourself. And you talk about all the miles that you have done versus the ones that you still have to do. But now you're actually switching, or at least we were switching in our minds to talking about, okay, we only have four miles left, only have three miles left. There was a lot of talk on the way back. Oh, I can do this for, I can do this for the next five miles. Like this isn't a big deal. Like we're just going to keep going. That's actually, if you go and watch my stories on Instagram, you'll see a lot of that. Uh, We did more talking on the way back on stories versus voice memos. Um, I don't know why I think I just lost track and trying to keep up with what we were doing in each place was kind of tough for my brain, but it did keep me occupied to do that, those voice memos and those stories. So, you know, kind of coming up with things to do since, you know, we were each other's pacers. Normally you might try to inject some life into your runs into your late, late miles by having different people or different pacers to, we did play some music Um, But pacers will obviously kind of bring fresh blood, fresh insight to you and keep you happy and motivated. But we stuck with each other. And so this is kind of how we kept ourselves entertained, told jokes, listened to music, documented on social media. Um, Frank definitely didn't sign up for that. Like he did not know ahead of time (laughs) that we were, that my plan was to do so much documentation, but uh, he did know what he was getting into. He is familiar with my work. So, (laughs) so he was a, he was a trooper. So special shout out to Frank for uh, putting up with my shenanigans, being my pacer and uh, accompanying me for the entirety of the race. So that's all the voice memos I have. Um, I hope that that was as enjoyable for you to listen to as much as it was for us to record uh, and to put in here because I think it just is a more interesting way to kind of document a hundred miles. So up to this point, we really haven't talked about time. And, you know, going back to the very beginning of the podcast last year, I set this big scary goal to run this particular race in under 24 hours. And 
honestly, I had some doubts going into the race as to whether or not I'd even be able to finish it. Um, 100% true. You know, coming off of BFC, I felt really good. But there's always some doubt, right? Even though I've done this race before, I'm still kind of battling that demon of how do you really know if you can do it again, right? Like if you're somebody, you know, like Courtney DeWalter, who's done tons of these races, sure, you probably know, but there is always that little element of uncertainty. And so I had that, I had that going into it. And I just really had to focus on what I knew to be true about my training, my conditioning, and my mental game. And I think that is really one of the things that has carried me a lot this year because, you know, doing this podcast and do, running my business and, you know, all of the things that I have going on in my life, most of which you guys see on the front end, either via the podcast or on my social media, but some of it you don't see, you know, on the back end, taking on a lot of work and doing the podcast and doing all these other things has definitely impacted my training. And I've had to kind of juggle things and switch things around. Whereas a couple of years ago when I did this race, I didn't have the podcast. My business was quite different and I had a little bit more time. So in 2019, when I did this race, I felt a lot better going into it. I felt like I had more stamina, more conditioning, more strength. And so that's really where that little seed of doubt came into my mind. But I really have worked a lot on my mindset this year. It's the thing that really pulled me through BFC. And I knew that it was something that was going to really pull me through here. So um, there's no surprise. We did finish the race, but we're nearly done with this episode. And I haven't mentioned anything about the finishing time yet. And I did this for a couple reasons um, that I'll kind of get to in a second. But I guess I should first tell you my results. So my finishing time was 28 hours, 43 minutes, and 36 seconds. So yeah, I, I didn't hit my goal. But here's the thing. I'm quite honestly not at all upset by it. Frank and I talked about this a lot during our last 10 miles. I did so much better this time around versus last time. Even though my overall finishing time doesn't reflect that, my pacing was better, my body felt better, my nutrition and my eating was way better, my energy was always really high, save for maybe that that last seven miles on that last inbound nighttime trip that you heard where I took that really low voice message. Uh, All the individual aspects of the race were just better for me. The thing is, they just didn't add up to a faster time. So I just want to reiterate that just because I didn't hit my first goal, that big public one that I made to try to finish this in under 24 hours, doesn't mean that all is lost or that the whole thing was a complete failure, that my entire year of training was a complete failure. Um... Not at all. And that's the point that I try to hammer home 
obviously with myself, but also with my clients. It's that like, you don't just have one goal for any one event or race. You have multiple goals. And so that way you're not so emotionally tied to that one outcome. Because if you think about it, if I was hell bent on getting sub 24 hours, I probably could have done it. I mean, I definitely could have done it. It wouldn't have been pretty in the sense that I would have had to make some, you know, pretty dicey decisions and done some things that I wouldn't ordinarily have done and that definitely would not have been good for me in the long term. So I made some calculated decisions that allowed me to walk away from this race in decent shape and come away feeling like it was still a valuable experience. I mean, the next day I was feeling almost 95%. I mean, that baby toe blister was pretty bad (laughs) to put it mildly. And the thing is, I never have issues with my feet. So to have that blister and have it be that epic was like a pretty big deal for me. Going downstairs for the next day, obviously pretty tough, but you know, the day after, Two days after, I felt really, really good. Like I'm surprised myself at how good I feel even now standing here recording this podcast. You know, my husband just asked me if I wanted to go for a short run with him. And honestly, the only reason I said no was because I don't, my my baby toe is just ready to like be completely healed and I don't want to aggravate it and prolong what's going on. So, I mean, I feel really, really good. And I, I came away from that race still wanting to do more running. And had I tried to make decisions that would have gotten me sub 24 hours, I can guarantee you, I would not be, this would be a completely different podcast. <laughs> like this episode would be completely different, right? The, the takeaway from this would be uh, 180 degrees different. Um, So I still want to run. And that's the overall goal here is to be a runner for life. So I talk about this a lot in the Run Farther, Faster, Stronger group and with my clients. And I want to just kind of reiterate it with you guys that if you have a race coming up, I want to encourage you to set multiple goals for it, not just one, so that you'll be able to walk away with a win and continue to enjoy running for the long term. So, you know, I I kind of... um, I kind of intimated what my goals were at the very beginning of the show of this episode, but I'll kind of go over them again here. So obviously my, my overall goal was to do sub 24 hours. My next goal was to run as much as possible at a consistent pace, mind you too. The next goal was to manage my nutrition to the best of my ability done. I, that was like another one that was just so exciting for me. I had zero stomach issues, which is almost unheard of for me. So that's one I'm really pumped about. My next goal was to manage my temperature to avoid hypothermia or heat exhaustion. That one was a little tricky, but I managed to do that. The next goal, no sleep or excessive rest at base camp. Did that. I mean, we we didn't sleep, but we tried not to spend a lot of time hanging around at camp um, and just get in and get out. I mean, and we can go on and on and on. I mean, you could make a list of 10 or 20 goals. And if you don't hit one, hit the next one. You don't hit that one. Okay. Hit the next one. Some people might think of this as like a free pass to just not do what you said you were going to do. But the whole point is 
we want to be setting good goals to keep us motivated and keep us going. So what if I didn't hit sub 24 hours like that, you know, I've always said that I'm not fast, you know, and to truth be told, it wasn't necessarily a smart goal for me to set because shaving four hours off my time was like a big thing. But, you know, I did it because it was a real stretch. It pushed me outside my comfort zone and it caused me to change up my training in a good way. And who knows, had I not set that goal, had I not changed my training, I might not have finished. There's no real way to know. So... Yeah. So that's, uh, that's my wrap on racing for 2021, you guys, but not to worry. This is not the end of the podcast. Um, you know, when I started this project almost a year ago, I wasn't sure if anyone was going to listen to this or how long I'd keep it up or, um, if it would even be a viable thing, but it's become one of the most fun things that I get to do each week. To the point where like I'm getting recognized at races now. So um, funny story, uh, on the first lap at Ghost Train, uh, headed inbound. No, we were headed outbound. And, you know, when, when the leaders start to come back at you, you know, my tradition is to always cheer everybody on. And there was a guy that was coming back in. And we were cheering and he looked straight at me and he goes, sub 24 hours, right? And I was like, oh man, I'm busted. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't know who you were, but thank you for the cheer. Thank you for the motivation. Um, And yeah, like, so that's kind of where we're at now. So the the podcast is going to continue through the winter into 2022, especially since I have big plans for stuff that I'm going to work on over the winter to prep for next year you know, nutrition, planning and prepping, cooking food, like there's all sorts of things that I know when I think back to how my year went that I could have done better. Like these little gaps, these little holes, right? I'm going to make some tweaks to my training plan. My strength and mobility is going to level up. Sleep. I have this, Frank and I were talking about this. um, I have this goal of learning how to nap this year. I'm a horrible napper. I'm a really great overnight sleeper, but I don't nap well. So I'm really excited to practice napping and I'm going to get better with my mindset. And this is basically all the stuff that we're going to do in the winter reboot program. And that's really how the program was born. I sat down and thought, man, what do I want to work on? Then I called all of my friends that are experts in all of the areas that I'm not an expert. And that's how we ended up with this kick-ass program. So I'm excited to dive into that starting on November 1st. But also, I did something scary and kind of silly that I'm not going to share here yet. And actually only a couple other Oh, well, wait, no, I did actually share it on my Instagram stories the night before Ghost Train. So there's probably a few of you out there that know what I'm talking about. Um, But we're going to hang on to that for a little bit and I'll let you know maybe next week or the week after what's happening with that. So a big thanks to everybody that has been listening to the show from the beginning. And actually, I've gotten a bunch of messages lately from people that have just found the show, found the podcast, and they're starting to catch up. Um, 
So welcome to you guys too. So I'm excited to see what 2022 brings and not only for me, but for you. So I'd love to hear how your year of racing went. So send me an email or DM me on Instagram. And if you've got plans or races lined up for 2022, I want to hear about those too. So send them my way. I'm excited to see what you're up to. All right, you guys, that's all for this episode. Enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon. 